Welcome to Disney Decipher, a podcast helping you save money, time, and stress as you plan your Disney vacation. On today's episode, we give impressions of the Polynesian Hotel and Resort on the monorail loop and let you know what are some reasons you should stay there and what are some reasons you should not stay there. We take a look at the amenities, the pool, and everything you need to know about the resort. Find all episodes of the podcast at DisneyDeciphered.com or find us on Apple Podcasts, Google, Stitcher, or Spotify. We'd really appreciate it if you left us a review. And you can connect with us at DisneyDeciphered at gmail.com, on our Facebook page, Disney Deciphered, or on Twitter at WDWDeciphered. Thanks, and enjoy the show. Hi, I'm Joe from the As Joe Flies. And I'm Leslie from Trips with Tykes. And welcome back to Disney Deciphered. So today we are going to give our impressions of the Polynesian Resort. Just as a reminder, we haven't stayed at every hotel and we haven't stayed at any of the hotels long enough to kind of give a definitive review. But we just wanted to give our impressions, you know, um, this is off of one or two stays or sometimes multiple stays. Um, But, you know, we just want to give you guys an idea of what the poly feels like. And at the end, we'll end with reasons you should consider booking the poly as your Disney World Hotel and reasons why you should not do that. So Leslie, let's just start off. Um, I know you have some history with the poly. So just tell me a little bit about why you love the poly so much and your past with the Polynesian. Yes, very long past, not a sorted one. But yeah, my family used to always stay at the Polynesian when we went when I was a child. I grew up in Alabama. So we would hop in the car and occasionally in an RV and head down to Orlando, sometimes with our cousins. And that was the hotel that we settled on. I have to think, and I've said this, that it must have been cheaper back in the day because my dad is, I'm not going to say a cheapskate, but you know, he, he certainly wouldn't be paying the current Polynesian prices on an annual basis these days, but, or maybe, maybe he just flirted to Disney. Maybe, maybe, uh, you know, I don't know, but we, we stayed there quite a few times when I was a child. I have fond memories of going to the spirit of Aloha dinner show and, and staying in the resorts there. And, you know, Growing up in Alabama, you don't really get to go to Hawaii very often. I never went to Hawaii until I was an adult. So I kind of did it in uh, Disney World. But you you have stayed in the Polynesian most recently. I'm kind of jealous. And you just got back from a trip there. Yeah. And so, you know, just talking about those prices, um, like I said in the last episode, we got a magical vacation travel, magical vacations travel. It's a travel agency, uh, an exclusive rate that was like $300 a night. And the reality is, that um still feels like pretty expensive to me. Um, but you know, we were just going to stay there for two nights and we were splurging a little bit. I agree with you. It must've been cheaper because like rack rates are like $450 and I could just, I just don't think I could see myself spending that for um, the room at the poly. Tell me a little bit about kind of the poly's location and why it's kind of so ideally situated in Walt Disney world property. Yeah. I think that's what it has going for it the most. So it's on the monorail loop, the the loop that goes, to the Magic Kingdom. So you're just two stops away from the front gates of the Magic Kingdom, which is a great location. But it also sort of does double duty because it's within walking distance of the Transportation and Ticket Center, which is where the monorail to Epcot is. So you don't really ever have to hop on a bus to get to two of the four parks, which I think is amazing. So the location really, in my mind, is probably the best of any hotel at Disney World. I mean, I think it makes an even superior to the Grand Floridian and the Contemporary, just because you can make the, both those connections without having to change. 
Yeah, I totally agree on the um, location being pretty ideal. My one counterpoint is, and I think this kind of just goes for, for some reason, all the Disney deluxe resorts, but especially on the monorail loop, um, the bus service is pretty bad. Like you have to share a bus. Um, at least we were sharing a bus with the Grand Floridian um, while we were there. And at the same time, the contemporary were sharing buses with Fort Wilderness and Wilderness Lodge. And so it's just kind of weird where you're like at the most expensive Disney hotels, you have to share buses and wait times can be um, pretty long. And so, you know, I feel like with the value resorts, I'm, I mean, there are more people staying there, but like the buses come fast and furious uh, more often. So, you know, that was a bit of a bummer. Yeah. Well, I guess if you can afford to stay at the Polynesian regularly, you can hop in a minivan and go wherever you need to go uh, you know, on demand. But yeah, I didn't want to be cynical, but that's what I was thinking. I was like, <laughs> I probably think people are like, have enough money to like, just pay for their own cars. And, you know, sometimes, you know, we all do that. And uh, if, if it's, if it's really hot or it's pouring down rain, it's totally worth the premium sometimes in child happiness. That's just my, just my take. We're paying so much money to be there already, but yeah, that's a good note to, to good caveat for people staying at the Polynesian. If they're going to spend a lot of time at uh, Animal Kingdom or Hollywood studios, then those are going to be bus transfers. So just be prepared for potentially longer trips and, and, you know, look into whether you might want to take an Uber or Lyft or minivan, something like that. Yeah. So let's talk about the Polynesian theming. Like what do you remember about kind of what makes the Polynesian unique and special and stand out uh, amongst other Disney hotels? Yeah. So it certainly evolved over time. I mean, I think there was sort of an era where tacky tiki was kind of big and, and Walt sort of bought, bought into that. If you know, think tiki room, there's there's a little bit of that. And the Polynesian has has evolved, and and I'd say the the look is more is more elegant uh, Polynesian these days, um, which I which I appreciate. And they, I think Disney learned a lot by building Aulani in Hawaii about making things a little bit more authentic. So it feels a little higher end to me now than it did back in my childhood '80s days when we stayed there. But the theming is just it's just on point. I mean, everything feels like you're, you're in the South seas and um, you feel like you're, I I, I always say when I walk into the lobby of the Polynesian, my blood pressure drops. It's the same feeling that I get when I walk into a resort in Hawaii. It just feels like you are escaping reality, but that's just my take. Did you get the same, the same blood pressure benefit? Yeah. It was just like really relaxing. It was really cool in there. There's that smell i don't know it's aloe or some kind of like lavender or something do you do you remember that or is that new i don't remember that but i don't have a great nose so yeah as soon as you walk in it like smells i guess fresh for like lack of a better term um and it was really nice like walking around the grounds was like beautiful like the beach is beautiful um like i've talked about in the past you know the beach is great for walking watching the fireworks you know everything is just very kind of like calm and relaxed um and almost feels like you're like on island time a little bit uh, in a good way. You know, I just really love the grounds um, of the whole place and the theming. Each kind of lodging area or lodging house is named after like a different tropical island. And, you know, I just, I just feel like they got like everything right when it comes to the theming. Um, Like I said, in the other episode, like they have a lot of kind of entertainment that happens in the lobby. And so we watched like hula dancers and like other things. And so, you know, it's just, I felt like when we were walking around the resort, there was always something to see, always something to do. And that was great. And most of it was free too. Yeah, I agree. That's why we, we, even though we haven't stayed in the Polynesian in a really long time, we always find ourselves there for whatever reason, because there is sort of a hustle and bustle and there seems to be a lot of things going on. And we just enjoy 
hanging out in the lobby and going to the different restaurants and things like that. So it really is one of the few destinations in and of itself, you know, non-park destinations, I would say, for Disney guests. So let's talk a little bit about the room. This was something, uh, I guess I'll preview, that you were, I think, mildly disappointed in in your last day. Is that right? Yeah. So there was a couple of things about the room that I was disappointed in. Um, one was kind of out of our control and one was, or out of Disney's control and one was in Disney's control. I just think the theming of the room is just kind of dated. Like the carpet was faded. And, you know, when you, you know, we've talked about it before, but when you're staying at a deluxe Disney hotel, you can't think of it as you're staying at like a luxury hotel, unless you're say staying at like the studios or the villas in one of the DVC sections of a hotel. Um, but still, like the carpet was kind of faded and grody, almost, I mean, not like motel level, but it wasn't, you know, it just wasn't like nice. Um, the, I kind of, the overall theming, it's, it's kind of just like these browns and, you know, I guess it's supposed to be more tropical, but like the hotel itself is like really colorful, but I felt like that was like lacking in the room. Probably the most annoying thing, which was not in Disney's control, but um, we had an ADA room. And by the time we realized how annoying it was, by the way, I'm totally believe and know that Disney should have tons of ADA rooms. It's just that we're not ADA and we were staying in it. Um, you know, it was very frustrating because when I turned the doorknob after tapping my magic band, the door would open automatically and it wouldn't close for like a good 10 seconds, which is great, obviously, if you're in a wheelchair or if you're ADA, but it's not so great when you're just like kind of looking for privacy and looking to close your door or have a baby that's sleeping um, and you don't want to let too much light in. Um, and so, you know, it got to the point where I was like, I'd open the door and then I'd have to do that thing that you may have done before with like um, automatic doors where I was just like pulling it with all of my might so it wouldn't open and just like forcing it closed, um, which got like pretty frustrating. We did our impressions of Animal Kingdom Lodge. Like I found those rooms so much more nicer, um, so much more comfortable than, uh, you know, the poly was. What was the bed layout that you had? Did you have two queens or? Yeah, it was two queens. And then we had a um, sofa bed that turned into a bed. Oh, and that was the other thing. You know, I read that um, the deluxe resorts do turn down service if you ask. And so, you know, I wanted them to turn the couch into the bed for my daughter and um, turn down our sheets. And so I called for turn down service at like, 4.30 one day. And then we went out to dinner and got back at like 7.30, 7.45 or dinner and exploring and like nothing had happened. So I was like, okay, I guess they didn't get that memo. Um, and then we just went to bed and no one woke us up to disturb us to turn down the room. So, and our room was missing a uh, room occupied sign anyway. So that was weird. That is strange. So what was the uh, bathroom layout? I know that always matters to me in terms of the sink, whether the sinks are open to the room and whether you're going to make noise and wake the baby. Yeah. So it was closed off in its own room. Um, and there was two sinks, which was nice. I think our bathroom was actually a little bit bigger because it was ADA, but because it was ADA, there was like extra poles along the bathtub and stuff like that. Um, but you know, the bathroom was fine. It didn't affect us at all. And so, you know, it was nice having it with a separate door um, because, you know, it basically let almost no light into the rest of the room. Um, it was also like, the door wasn't like directly towards where the beds are. You kind of have to like turn the corner in the hallway kind of thing. So that was pretty good. Yeah, it's better set up than Animal Kingdom Lodge for those of you who have babies and toddlers. So uh, let's talk next about food. Uh, I know you just stayed there and probably ate at just about every restaurant. So what was what was your favorite? Start with the highlights. I mean, let's just point out that 
you can basically get a Dole Whip at any time of the day with or without rum, uh, if you like. Um, so honestly, everything could just start and end there. And if I had had my druthers, I would have just eaten there all day. Dole Whip diet. <laughs> yeah. So. I don't know if that's, that's a good diet or a bad diet. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's fruit, right? So that's, that's pretty important. Yeah. Yeah, so that's at Pineapple Lanai. Um, that was really good. So we ate at the Quick Service a bunch, uh, Captain Cook's. Um, I tried the nachos there, which is our, which are pretty well known because it's like melted cheese and then spicy mayo sauce, pulled pork, and then you know various other fixings on top. It was pretty, you know, I really enjoyed it. Um, the rest of my family didn't really like it, and one thing was the pork was not as hot as it could have been. But I'd probably eat that all the time too. I'd probably eat that and Dole Whip like all the time, and I would be happy. Um, but you know, all that we ended up eating like four or five things at Captain Cook's. Um, we had like this lo mein, the stir fry noodle thing. Um, we had this chicken breast. Um, I think we got a fish one day. Uh, we got a salad and, you know, all the stuff was a- anywhere from like good to like really good. Uh, you know, I wouldn't say it's quick service. So nothing like blew us out of the water. Um, but, you know, it's definitely a good way to feed the family. And especially because you can eat outside or we would like s- swing over after we were at the pool or something like that. So it was just really useful to have Captain Cook's as a quick service. Yeah, that's pretty high price for a quick service restaurant because some of them can be pretty terrible. So that sounds sounds like a like a good lineup. Yeah, the highest praise is that our friends um, came over for the contemporary to eat at Captain Cook's because uh, they didn't want to eat at um, Contempo Cafe. Smart move, smart move. So uh, did you eat at uh, Kona Cafe at all while you were there? I didn't eat at Kona Cafe this time, but I have in the past. And, you know, I, I generally really like the food there. It's kind of, you know, it's I guess it's tough for me because like I eat, Asian food like more often. So when I'm eating Asian or Southeast Asian food at Disney World, like that Disney price bump kind of feels even more of a bump um, than regularly because, you know, like I would know where to get like cheap sushi in Boston, for example. Um, But, you know, the food there is, um, the food there is really good. You know, it just to me personally, it feels like a little bit expensive for others who may not kind of eat that kind of food on a regular basis or you know, or not of Southeast Asian descent and eating in Southeast Asian places all the time, um, you know, maybe it doesn't feel as bad. Yeah. It just occurred to me. I think we ate together at Kona cafe at some point in the last couple of years. Um, That's true. We were there That's the conference. time I was there. That's right. That's right. No, I, I was, I was pleasantly surprised with, with what it was. I, I sort of thought, well, it's not going to be the quick service and it's not going to be Ohana, which we'll talk about in a second, which is the, the fancier high end. And, and I was afraid it was going to be in the snowman's land of, expensiveness and not very good, but, um, I found it to strike the right balance. I was, I was quite happy with it. And, and I do probably not eat as much Asian food as you do, but I do live in San Francisco. So I do eat a lot of it and, uh, I was pretty happy with it. So let's talk. I know you haven't eaten Ohana, but I have. Yeah. So tell me about Ohana. I'd love to hear about yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. So Ohana is the, the, one of the, I, I'd say most well-known restaurants at, at Disney World. And it is one of the most sought after character breakfasts. And they also have dinner as well, which does not include the characters. I've, I've eaten at the breakfast, but not the dinner. I, I have to say I was a little bit underwhelmed. It's family style. They bring you sort of a big platter full of eggs and Mickey waffles and some other you know, sausage and things like that. And in terms of the food, I was, I was fair, very underwhelmed. Um, got cold quickly. I much prefer the character breakfast buffet setup where I can go down a line and pick out what I want that's warm. And usually those buffets have more choices. 
So I was, I was surprised. I actually didn't realize it was family style when I went in for the first time a couple of years ago. And so that's just my take on it. But you know, if you're prepared, then great. In terms of the character meet and greets and those opportunities, it's a really fun atmosphere. There's Stitch and uh, Mickey and one other character that I cannot remember, but um, who usually makes a regular appearance and they have, you know, sort of these conga lines and the kids get up and get to get to chase, you know, the characters around the restaurant. So it's a lot of fun. I mean, it's definitely theming wise, one of the best character breakfasts at Disney world, but um, I would not go there for the food. Yeah. So that's funny. Um, I mean, I wasn't going to talk about this, but since you're saying the breakfast food is bad, I should tell you that my friends, they actually went to Ohana for dinner. Um, We just didn't join them because like, I just, I can't spend uh, $35 for my wife who's going to eat half a plate and then $25 for my son who's going to eat a quarter of a plate and my daughter who eats like half a plate. Um, it just, I just couldn't do that um, without any characters. But they actually said the food at dinner was really good. Um, so good that they like took some of the dumplings home. They are also of Southeast Asian descent. So, you know, if they said the dumplings are good, um, you know, that it passed the test. It passed the test of Chinese people. Um, at least those particular Chinese people. Um, and so they had said that there was like a stir fried noodles that was different from Captain Cook's that it was like way better than the one because they had it at Captain Cook's as well. Um, they said that that was very good. And they're uh, at dinner, you get like skewers of meat, um, kind of like Hawaiian, you know, style, like skewers with like pineapples on and stuff like that. Um, and they said like all the food was really good and they left like super full and took home some leftovers. So, you know, maybe it's just, you want to avoid breakfast. Yeah, I have, in all fairness, I have heard good reviews about the dinner as well. And that menu certainly sounds much more, much more appetizing than lukewarm Mickey waffles. So um, yeah, I'll reserve like, judgment till I get a chance to go. Yeah. It's like Akershus in Norway. It's just like whatever for breakfast and you're just paying for the characters. That's right. So let's talk a little bit before we end today um, about the other amenities. Cause one of the reasons a lot of people want to stay at a deluxe resort is to, get the the higher end service and amenities. Did you experience any of those while you were there? Yeah. So like I said, the turndown service was a fail, but other than that, like, you know, we just loved kind of like the amenities at the resort. And I guess to me, I count the pool as an amenity, but the pool was just like amazing. There was like three different size water slides. One that like you wouldn't go on if you were more than five years old. Um, but, you know, there was a medium one for like, tweener kids or you know my daughter would go on that um and then there's the like the huge one um the pool is beautiful it overlooks seven seas lagoon um you can kind of see the castle in the background if you're at the right angle um there's like the water park kids play area that's really great um it just made me think like i haven't seen storm along bay yet but i hear how amazing storm along bay is as like a hotel pool at the yacht and beach club and that means that's better than the poly pool and i was just like so impressed with the poly pool um, that, you know, I just can't wait to stay at the yacht or the beach club one day to check out that one. Oh yeah. And I should add to the Polynesian is home to the spirit of Aloha dinner show that I mentioned earlier. So that's sort of one amenity, I guess, that a lot of people, a reason a lot of people want to stay there is to do that uh, show. Although it is, it is getting mixed reviews these days. <laughs> I don't, I haven't been since I was a kid myself, but, um, you know, if you want to see a luau, then you kind of got to do that. Right. And then, like I said, there's like all that stuff going on in the, um, in the lobby all the time. Like they give you a lay or they lay you when you, um, check in and we kind of missed that cause we did online check-in, but my daughter got one, um, later anyway, you know, and there's just, there's just like just so much nice stuff going on around the hotel. 
like we said before, you're attached to the monorail, so that's very convenient as well. Definitely. So let's let's sum it up. Who why should people stay at the Polynesian and why should they not? What's your take, Joe? So I think um the reasons to stay there, I I do think it's one of the best themed hotels on property. It's kind of like we said with Animal Kingdom Lodge, you know, it's just gonna feel like a special hotel. The pool is amazing, like I said. You know, it's the kind of hotel that um you're going to want to stay at if you want to spend, spend a lot of time at the hotel. And then on the flip side, I would say you should not stay there if you're planning to spend like a ton of time at the parks. Um, aside from the convenience of getting to the Magic Kingdom and Epcot, if the Epcot monorail is even running, you don't have like that much of an advantage to go into the parks um, by staying at the Poly. It's not like you can walk back to your hotel room for a nap like at the Contemporary and if you're spending a ton of time in the parks, you're not enjoying what the hotel has to offer. And so, yes, it's good proximity, but there's so much to do at the hotel that you know, you're going to feel like you missed out. And you know, a lot of that money you spent, at least to me, if I was staying there, but spending most of my time in the parks would feel wasted. What about you? I heartily agree with all of that. So I'll just leave it there. So let's wrap it up with a quick Disney do and, and or don't. I'm going to share something since I didn't get a chance to mention it earlier in the episode, a do, do go to Trader Sam's um, if you enjoy tropical drinks and you can actually take your kids there. Trader Sam's for the uninitiated is my absolute favorite Disney, I guess, bar restaurant in, you know, of all time. There's, it started initially at Disneyland at the Disneyland hotel, and there's now a location within the Polynesian sort of tucked back in the corner. You have to kind of keep, going off the lobby and heading past Captain Cook's and you'll see it there. There's an indoor bar, Trader Sam's Grog Grotto. And if you can get an adult sign out away from the kids, I would go there in the evenings and order some of the drinks because there's basically a show that comes with many of the drinks. The waiters will do antics and things will light up or explode or, you know, might get a little wet in there. I'm not going to, you know, spoil all the fun. Be careful where you sit is the only other word of warning that I will give. But yeah, Trader Sam's Gragrado is really an amazing experience for adults. It's totally worth it. And I might have on my last trip dropped the kids off at what was then Lulu's Playhouse, the uh, child care center at the Polynesian that's now gone, just so I could go out to Trader Sam's with my husband. So no judgment. Yeah, it was so sad. We were in Rarotonga, so we were right next to Lulu's Playhouse, and it was just cold and sad and dark at night because there was no kids in it. I know, but you can at least take the monorail around and drop them off at the Pixar play zone at the contemporary, which is the new childcare facility. So you're still within monorail loop, you know, distance of childcare. If you want a night at Trader Sam's. Yeah. And then, so I guess, I, I guess I have a Disney don't, and that would be don't underestimate just how much time it's going to take to get to the parks. You think that you are, pretty close by since you're on the monorail and stuff like that, but different transfers you have to make. Like if you're going to Epcot, you walk to the TTC and then you take the monorail to Epcot or the buses. And then there are, you know, the poly often shares a bus with like the grand flow. So just don't underestimate how much time that's going to take. Good tip, Joe. All right. So uh, if you have any feedback about the poly, um, please let us know. You, you can connect with us, DisneyDeciphered at gmail.com or tweet us at WDW Deciphered. Or you can like our Facebook page, Disney Deciphered on Facebook. Other than that, uh, thanks so much, Leslie, and I'll see you next time we're at the Poly. Thanks, you.